Welcome to the session of Basketball Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ben, and I'm joined by my other wonderful co-host, Omar. How are you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Basketball is back in full swing. Yes. Somehow this pod returned and it's not the off season. You know, it's I'm surprised we even made it this far. You know what? <laughs> I was thinking about it. We're actually a year in. Yeah. This is technically our one year anniversary podcast. And what a way to get into it with this craziness. That's the bubble. The craziness. That's the every one of these narratives and storylines that we just have to dive right into. Yeah. So we were talking about this before the podcast, but we can catch up and talk about what we've been up to, you know, how much bread you've been making and how much you've been baking, <laughs> all of that, all of that nonsense. We can get into that another time. But Omar, if you're with me, we have so much basketball to discuss. Then let's start. And and let's start with one of the most engaging storylines that we had in this bubble, and that is Devin Booker and the unstoppable Phoenix Suns. So, Ben, imagine being invited to the bubble, winning every single game, <laughs> but still not making the playoffs. You know what? <laughs> what do you want from me? The memes at that point were crazy. And you know what? Special shout out to Devin Booker, man. That boy was balling. Yeah. He was not letting anyone stop him. And I think you're going to need to jog my memory a bit because obviously you can't just have one player. It's a team sport, right? So there yeah. must have been other pieces that were helping out. Was uh, Aiton helping? Like, what was going on with the Bubble Suns? Why were they as successful as they were? Well, Booker was playing lights out. So there was that. Uh, Ricky Rubio was also playing well. Um, Aiden, Aiden was okay. I think he even like he missed a COVID test. <laughs> Aiden, so oh, we Aiden. gotta talk about those COVID tests at some point. Shout out Daniel House. <laughs> so, so Aiden, a quick aside on Aiden. The man was recording a podcast with Woj where he was talking about how mature he is ever since his suspension, where he took performance yeah, enhancing right. drugs earlier in the year. And he's talking about how mature he is. And while recording the podcast, he ends up missing a COVID test. So he's, <laughs> he's a meme. Wasn't he number one? Yeah, he, he went number Weren't one. Were people talking about Aiden as if he's going to be like the next Shaq or something? Like so, people had really high yeah, hopes for this guy. Yeah. I, was, I was really high on him as well. But in a draft with Luca and Trey Young, taking Aiden first is always going to hurt. So Aiden, Aiden was playing all right. And, and honestly, as much as it pains me, do you recall the tank commander in Chicago? Well, of course, Justin Holiday. Oh well, Justin Holiday, but uh, yeah, yeah. The campaign was also there. Maybe his, maybe his lieutenant. Campaign was also playing lights oh, out. Oh, campaign! Like, campaign oh, was man. playing lights out, and, oh, and that I hurts. Remember that. I Russell remember Westbrook's looking, dance yeah. partner. Russell Westbrook's dance partner, and that's the only reason I know of his name because yeah. he was rocking those dances, man. He was really going in with them. Yeah. But I remember uh, looking at the because I'm not gonna watch a Suns game. I'm sorry, I have other things to do. Yo. I'm not gonna watch a Suns game, so I just <laughs> didn't get a chance to. Yeah. Um, but I do remember looking at the box score from time to time, or just going on Twitter, and people were legitimately saying Russell Westbrook's dance partner is shooting lights out right now. I'm like, what is going on? Because he was so trash. He was garbage in Chicago. Yeah. It pained me to watch him touch a basketball, and he's good 
in Phoenix. Like he's a he's yeah. he's part of their offseason plans. Like we need to like resign campaign, which I never wow. thought any team would ever say ever. Campaign. But but that maybe that just goes to show where Chicago sits in this in the in the, in the standings. Of, oh my god. But Phoenix, man, Phoenix, this Phoenix run. Shout and out I, and man. It, it was good. I really wanted them in because it would be something different to see. Who's right? their coach, man? Um, he's uh, Monty Williams. He was a former assistant in uh, Philly. Uh, he signed I a five-year remember, deal. I remember seeing a uh, video on Twitter uh, because the uh, the Suns had just won, but it depends on if Portland would win against. I'm forgetting it now. Uh, yeah, I forgot who they were playing. Against. It was that it was final the, final seeding game. Final yeah. that yeah. final seeding game, and he gave this long like Coach Carter type speech, where he was like, "I'm proud of you guys, regardless of what happens." to stay focused for the future and all that yeah and um it was it was actually really cool to see like just the maturity and how far that team has developed uh that being said i mean the, the suns are probably going to continue to be trash in the regular season yo, but- <laughs> yo come on bro <laughs> you know they took a leap forward it's gonna be fun and i i, I actually watched most come on, suns man. Games, it's the bubble man which it's is the bubble which is crazy to think about i watch most suns games because so i follow um Shout outs to Sreaky Shooter. I'm sure I've sent some of his tweets. The guy's a Suns fan. He was so funny. Every single time there was a game being played in the bubble that had ramifications on the Suns seating, he would change his profile photo to like number one Utah Jazz fan or something and cheer for that team to win so they could <laughs> knock out the Suns competition. The man changed his profile top to bottom like three oh times a day, God. depending on the games. But I miss um, those seating games. That was like a really fun experience because I know we're so gonna we're gonna move on to like so other topics fun. that we have. But there was basketball on the entire day. Like that is such a crazy experience. No, it was it was. I remember um, the times without basketball, and that was you know a, a couple podcasts ago we were talking about that. Just like you know, what are we gonna do? Like barbershop talk. Like what are some topics that we're gonna talk about? And um, I remember thinking that the basketball season is not going to start. So if we just rewind just a little bit more, hearing that announcement that basketball was going to be back, um, all jokes aside, especially in our own little bubble that we're living in with this pandemic that's still going on, um, it was a huge spark of, of just joy and fun and entertainment, which I think we all really needed. Yep. Um, because it was, you obviously never want to forget about what's going on in the world, but sometimes it's nice to take a little bit of a break while still working on the things that need to be worked on. You know what I'm trying to get at? Like, you don't want to completely let entertainment consume you, but you also don't want to be the opposite. My whole like mantra in life is everything requires moderation. You need a balance in everything. You can't take one thing to the absolute extreme, right? Shout out you to need Wasi. to have mm-hmm. shout out to <laughs> shout out to Wasi. Big shout out to him, man. So um c- considering all of that, when basketball did come back, it was so big. And these narratives, that's what this sport is built on. It's built on narratives. Basketball is a soap opera for men. And that's what we're into. This is just what we like following. I love it. Yeah. So I was super glad to have the basketball season back, man. And the Bubble Suns, all these weird shooters coming out and like all these re- weird players and teams just balling out. You're like, what is going on? But I'm here for it, right? Yeah. I'm here for it. 
And and so. some of those storylines, like we we thought that maybe TJ Warren was going to be the bubble MVP, but then you know Dame went nuclear to Absolutely. to carry to carry the Portland back into uh, the playoffs, and that was fun to see, like Dame dropping sixty, Dame dropping fifty a night, and stuff like that, just to get them into the playoffs. That was good. He was on another level. They were hard in numbers, but it wasn't like useless games like against Charlotte or something. Hey, yo, bro. <laughs> They were they were they weren't useless games against Chicago. Game Dollar is a baller. Yeah. Game Dollar the baller. This dude, his stat lines were stupid, man. And on top of that, it was do or die. It was game seven every single game that they played. Yeah. They had to win all those games. So mm-hmm. he had the numbers, but it wasn't just that. They were winning. Mm-hmm. And that was so big. I have such a newfound respect for Damian Lillard, even though he is dumb for staying at that godforsaken team. Hey, maybe he wants to be the greatest trailblazer ever. So, you know, that's saying that. uh, Imagine adding that to your resume. I'm the greatest trailblazer ever. Okay. I've never been to Portland, but Oregon sounds pretty dope, man. Like, yo, Northwest America, man. (laughs) Pretty dope. I don't know. I wouldn't mind being in, in Oregon. Maybe not right now. I mean, you know, not right now. No, not like, right now. It's, it's like a doomsday in there. Red. Yeah. <laughs> but, I'm laughing about it. <laughs> yeah. Look at you. <laughs> it's like doomsday. <laughs> 2020 be like, <laughs> we just laugh. So what were your thoughts on the whole Portland and like, uh, sorry, more than that, just Damian Lillard. I will say this though, man, and I want to get your thoughts on it. How do you feel about McCullum? Yeah. So here's my thing. Um, even looking at the scene in games and more so in the playoffs, I think one of them has to go. And the reason why I say that is because I feel like there's like a sense of redundancy with McCollum and, Port- and, and Damian Lillard. I feel like both of their games mirror each other, but they're not as good as like Clay and Steph. So yeah, they're both two shooters, but I feel like, I don't know, there's, I just feel like this redundancy with those two players being on the same team. Like, how do you feel about those two in Portland? So historically, I mean, I don't think the backcourt's been the problem when it comes to Portland. I mean, they've always been number one or number two highest scoring backcourt for like the last four years, five years or whatever, going back to Warriors era. And it's it's been, it's always been kind of front court that they've been struggling with, whether it's injuries or whether it's their front court players not being as good as they're supposed to and trying to like get other creators. But I think if... I think if you were to say, if we can only make, you know, one or two moves to take this team into championship contention, CJ would have to be the card that gets dealt because it can't be Dame, right? Yeah. So it's just, it's, it, the question becomes, do you want to be a good team or do you want to be a great team, right? And Portland's a good team. Portland has been a good team and likely will continue to be a good team as long as Dame's in his prime and he's there, right? But to be a great team, you need to make sacrifices, right? And we, as Toronto fans, we saw that. We went from being a good team to a great team and a sacrifice needed to be made, right? Yeah. So you, what other pieces do you have that can be dealt, right? You don't have any young rising talent that has all-star potential. CJ is the closest thing that you have, like that fringe all-star caliber player, right? He's the one that would need to be dealt along with, I don't know, picks and complimentary salary to try to bring in via a trade because no one's signing in Portland. This is the sad truth of it, right? Yeah. So 
I don't know if it's so much as their their games aren't complementary, but it's more so what other tools do you have in your toolkit, right? What else can you tinker with? You, what was at, surprising to me was that boy Nurkic was balling. Yeah. He was surprisingly, or maybe not so surprisingly to, to Portland fans, but because he's he's been injured for a great deal of his uh this uh, of, of this his, season yeah of the season and you know just throughout his career but when he did play um he had some monster numbers he yeah. was playing pretty well uh defensively he's not all the way there definitely he's not the most defensive he kind of strikes me as like an Ennis Cantor okay uh, definitely has some offensive prowess but obviously because he's Muslim right there and that too a free yeah. Turkey or free Cantor <laughs> from Turkey. <laughs> Um, but I kind of, I kind of saw that with him. And so I'm, I'm trying to think right now, like, yeah, what if it's that? Like, what if from a good player in, in Nurkic, you get someone a lot better, right? And, and would that be it to make a Portland from that fake eight seed that they were to like this potential title contender? Um, but leading up to the first round though, when Portland got in, that was already so exciting, yeah. Right, like yeah. that was already so exciting. I watched that game, uh, that Portland where it was a do or die thing, yeah. Um, and it was such a fun game to watch, man. They were Damian Lillard is a threat from everywhere, like he yeah. pulls up at the logo, and people had to had to defend him. Yeah. They were coming up, running towards him, double teaming him, and it's like at the logo, like what kind yeah. of respect is this? His uh. Dame's one of those players that can like he his post game interviews and stuff like that are just phenomenal because he will do the most badass shit in game and then like he'll actually be able to talk about it afterwards right like that's been his career yes in the totality of it he doesn't have championships to show for it or conference finals or whatever that might be but he he does like badass shit like wave off players as they get eliminated like they'll talk shit to him and he'll just like silence them with like a logo shot or something like that and it's just like crazy level stuff like someone who can back up what they say like in all fairness i don't have the faith that if lebron was to say something like that i'd be like oh yeah you doubt me right and he walked up and took a logo three i don't think it's going in like he just doesn't have what dame has in that sense right i mean lebron's still gonna win the game because he's gonna do it for all four quarters every minute of the possession but i don't know it's just something about dame where it's like you're afraid to tuck shit to him because you just know he's gonna make you look dumb he's Shout out Paul george we'll get to you later Oh, God. George Paul. Yeah, George we're going to get to him. And don't worry, ladies and gents, there's a reason why I'm wearing my trademark Westbrook jersey because I still see him as the greatest Thunder ever, even to this day. But we'll get to I that. don't think anyone was worrying. Not a single soul watching on YouTube, you know, the session, a basketball podcast, or listening, where you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, the session, a basketball podcast, takes a couple seconds. I don't think anyone was wondering why, but that's cool. I won... This entire bubble playoffs, I won. I'm the happiest I've ever been. But again, we will get into that, Omar. And I'll explain <laughs> why you lost. Man, Chicago is, didn't even get an invite. W- <laughs> Chicago didn't oh, even get an invite. They're in training camp right now. Oh, They're in training camp right now. I just right remembered now. who the Celtics were playing in the first it's, round. It's not on our It's not on our, it's not on oh. our like, Let me check. Let me check. Such you a forgot. No, nope, I'm sorry. That I forgot that they were in the playoffs. I'm looking at the whiteboard. It says uh, first round. We're talking about Thunder Rockets, <laughs> LA, Portland, <laughs> Dallas, like, Clippers. That's it. Uh, no other teams played. 
only three okay, series that I'm okay. aware of. You know what? You know what? Buddy. <laughs> oh. I'm just going to take my headphones off. Hold on. I'm on my Nick right. I'm on my Nick right right now. <laughs> the Philadelphia 76ers against Cardiac Kemba. Kemba Skywalker. Man, Ben Simmons was injured. It doesn't count. Boy, hell no. They got Tobias Harris. He's trash. He's Al trash. Horford being the difference maker. They got Al Horford. They're paying him big bucks. Tobias Harris. <sighs> Al Horford Joel was the Embiid. Al Horford was the fourth best player for the Boston Celtics this series. The man forgot what jersey he played for. Wait, why did y'all pay Tobias Harris? Just, just take J Cole. If it was me, I put J Cole on, on on the floor. Yeah, that man gets buckets in those summer runs. He was you would ball up better than Tobias Harris. Man, Tobias is a nice guy. That's why it hurts me to say this. He was trash. Trash. Al Horford, he was trash. Trash. Man, Embiid actually balled out, though. Embiid balled out. He did everything he could. Embiid was doing one against nine. He was actually playing one against nine. Tobias Harris was gardening it. He was switching on to him. (laughs) The Philadelphia 76ers, the most embarrassing part. The most embarrassing part to me. And this is why I know I'm a follower, not a leader. I can't make my own takes. You convinced me. You told me the 76ers would get to the fight. <laughs> so so if you recall, I've, I've always said the same thing when it comes to the Philadelphia 76ers. They're either getting to the finals or they're losing in the first round. Oh, you did say that. I, I said that. Say that. So here we are. You and know. you're right because... Yeah. How does it feel to be right that your team is trash? There's no hope for the 76ers. Let me just say this. three. It's been over three weeks since the front office, since Elton Brand came out and said, yeah, you know you know how I said last year I had decision-making authority? It turns out I didn't have decision-making <laughs> authority. And this whole collaborative GM process, this hasn't been working. So we're going to make some changes and really evaluate ourselves. So, Elton, who's evaluating yourselves? Who's evaluating the front office? Oh, the front office is evaluating the front office. So, for three weeks, all these old, rich, white dudes have been sitting there in this, in this, in this front office, being like, "Hmm, I wonder what the problem is." It couldn't be me, was it you? No, wasn't me either. Damn, I wonder <laughs> what we're gonna do now. Imagine investigating yourself. <laughs> you know what that is? You know what that sounds like? It sounds like a scapegoat. Then they fired that boy. What's his name again? Hinky? Honky? Tucci? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Hinky's been gone for like over four years. No, what's that boy that just got fired? Brett Brown. Brett Brown, their coach, yeah. Now that, you know, all jokes aside now, Brett Brown being gone, how do you feel about that? So I he's love Brett Brown. I, he's he, a scapegoat. 100%. He, he has been a scapegoat his entire time at at the 76ers their gm gets fired for having burner accounts brett brown's the one who needs to answer questions their first round pick gets into a bar fight with celtics fans and speeding on the highway brett brown needs to answer for that their first overall pick who they traded up for after getting fleeced by boston forgets how to shoot brett brown needs to answer questions for that he's been the face of that organization and had to take shit for so many other people he gets fired from a coaching perspective I think it was time to go. Five years is a very long time for a head coach in the NBA. And he left his mark. And I think it was time for a new methodology and a new change. But the manner in which they went about it, 
like literally going into the final game, the front office to save their own asses start leaking things about Brett Brown stuff. That's not even true, but they start leaking to the reporters who, who like, you know, when you follow a team long enough, you know, okay, this reporter gets their sources from ownership or front office. This reporter gets it from players or whatever, right? Like, I'm sure you're aware of certain OKC reporters and what, who their sources are, right? So the one guy who only gets his stuff from Colangelo era front office people, he starts leaking all these things about Brett Brown, how Brett was the reason Jimmy left and all this stuff, which isn't even true, but that's what hurt. It's like, imagine putting five years into an organization and then on the way out, because your bosses don't want to get fired. They start throwing you under the bus, literally by leaking stuff to the media and stuff. Dude, Philly died with uh, Markel Fultz's jump shot. Markel uh, Fultz being being uh, a quote unquote bust. Yeah, I don't know how he's doing now. He, he's in Orlando. I mean, I don't. Really it is definitely him, not who people thought he would be. But yeah, exactly. But that he was supposed. To, if you guys had Tatum. Yeah, if you guys had Tatum. Yeah, but the, the thing is, it's like uh, there's a lot of revisionist history when it comes to that as well. Tatum was never on the board. Like people got to remember, Philly didn't have the first pick. Philly had the third overall pick, and Philly only got the first overall pick when they traded with Boston, who was going to take Tatum number one anyways. They weren't going to take Markel. So a lot of people like going around saying, "Wow, Philly could have picked Tatum." Philly could have never picked Tatum. He was always out of their reach. You only agree to that trade. If Boston knows they're getting Tatum anyways, right? So that's that's uh, got absolutely neutered by Danny Ainge. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, like, like the, he's like, yo, yo, please give me like, okay, I'm not gonna take him anyway, but sure. Like yeah. when we went to that park together and you were explaining what happened with Philly yeah. and the Celtics, it really opened my eyes to how stupid the front offices of the Sixers and this those literally. Any middle school games. Those are the people that are still in charge that are investigating what went wrong. And <laughs> so these are the people that they've trusted to investigate themselves. The guys that leaked stuff to the press to throw their own coach under the bus. You think people like that are going to do an honest investigation? It 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 hurts and, and it sucks. But it's like, you know, when you're talking about Markel, how like they needed him to be that guy or whatever. Yeah. The thing is, any other franchise... That one singular thing, blowing a first overall pick, would doom them for years. Any other franchise. But Sam Hinkie built such a large base of assets and put them in such a good position that they were able to weather multiple storms. Multiple first round picks that ended up flopping. GMs getting fired for burner accounts. And multiple injuries to their franchise players where they missed seasons. No other team would be able to survive that. But the Philadelphia 76 like they took blow after blow. And any one of those would be enough to wipe a team off contention. And they were still in contention. They were one bounce away from the Eastern Conference semifinals, right? So it's like, that just goes to show you how good you had it, right? It's like right now, OKC, they have such a strong base that even if like one of those picks ends up flopping or like, you know, they make a bad decision here or like, you know, God forbid a bad injury to a franchise player or something like that, they'd still be in a good position because of this entire base of assets that you have. But a team like, I don't know, I'm going to say Orlando, they blow a good pick all of a sudden their their future is looking very different, right? Yeah. So yeah, th- I, it's it's difficult. The the injury the injury um um against Ben Simmons was definitely brutal. It just seems like Philadelphia has the absolute bad luck. Yeah, but I mean on paper, I, I this is so embarrassing now. But looking back, I thought Horford would actually be a difference. Maker. I had him for the finals. 
I thought Horford would be a difference maker. I thought, yeah. what's that dude named Josh Richardson? Yeah. You know, he can shoot threes. They're just these lengthy, big, tough guys, yeah. right? Like, I legitimately saw them as the Clippers of the East. I thought they were good because I didn't expect Boston to be as good as they were. Yeah. Uh, definitely not with uh, Cardiac Kemba. And, you know, you have, of course, the Raptors. So I'm thinking, okay, between the Milwaukee, uh, the Bucks, the, you know, Philly. We're and frauds. Toronto. No one's and, ever afraid of them. But. And, and can I just say, I feel like 95% of the NBA world had those three teams before anything really. They had those three teams really high. You've got the defending champion. Well, actually, not the Raptors, maybe. People really disrespect us. Yeah. Uh, but, we, you know, we, that's not here. Toronto fans there. had them high. Yeah. yeah. So... When when Philadelphia got got bounced like that, it was um, it was really it was funny, really funny. But at the same time, I was kind of like, damn, like playoff basketball is just or not even that. It's like you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, you just never know what's going to happen. And there's still a lot more that we still have. Right. To talk about in terms of things we didn't expect to yeah. happen. Yeah. So, anyways, that was Philadelphia and Boston. It's a it's a mixture of bad luck. It's a mixture of being a bad team and a terrible front office. Yeah. Uh, and that's and that's just I don't know. I yeah. I don't know what else to say on that. But I want to transition a little bit to some more, some more good you know some more good first round stuff. Okay. What's what's a good first round series that you want to talk about? The Oklahoma City Thunder. Ain't they lose though? Ain't they lose? Oh, they lost, but did we really? We lost that game. We lost the battle, but did we lose the war? I mean, it's the playoffs is done. Like they're home. Oh man, the playoffs are done. But thank you, Russell Westbrook, for still being the best Thunder player. I know you still had love for us, baby. I know you had love for us, baby. <laughs> Easy, Al thank Horford you for of the playing series through injury and forcing yourself to to make this a seven games. I love Russell Westbrook. He got me into basketball. I'll always have a respect for him. But boy, is it easy to root against him. That boy is trash. He lost his mid-range entirely. And he's such an emotional player to a fault. It's good to have that emotion and play with that level of, you know, intensity. But when he's throwing out the ball, doing careless turnovers, talking with the refs, yelling at the refs when he should be getting back into defense. Ooh! Wee! I remember when I was a Thunder fan trying to defend that against you boys. I don't got to defend that anymore, baby. Oh, it is good for him to. Peak, it's peak. just it's just easy to root against him. Peak Russell Westbrook is him getting yelling in the fan section, and then there's like a little babies there, like mothers holding little, little babies. babies. Mothers <laughs> just yelling at him. Oh my god! But you know, on the serious note, and that series, I am. I still can't believe the level of play that Chris Paul has at his big age. Yeah. Biggest respect to that OG. He is the greatest point guard, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. I think Chris Paul is. I really hope he can get a ring. I'm not sure what's going to happen if he goes to Milwaukee or whatever. He's definitely not going to be sticking with the Thunder. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, that, that's, that doesn't really matter to me. But that series was phenomenal to watch, especially when we were down 2-0. And I was getting clowned. I was going to be a sweep and whatever. The Thunder, and this is what it's been throughout the entire regular season. Their identity is just to grit, grind it out. When it's close, let's clutch it out and let's just play a team game. Yep. And that's what I saw in that series as well. 
Gallinari was shooting lights out sometimes, but Chris Paul being the general that he was, he was coordinating the entire team. Yeah. And the thing I like the most about this series is the minutes that Baisley was getting. Darius Baisley was shooting really well. Shea was a little bit frazzled from time to time, but in that game seven, he hit that cold-blooded three, and there's no way he's going to forget something like that. Mm-hmm. And can we talk about the first-round MVP, Lou Dort? He was clapping that boy That was a roller coaster series for Lou Dort. What a series by Lou Dort. Biggest respect to him being undrafted from our motherland, Canada, Montreal. And he was clamping hard and he was not letting up on defense. Yep. Remember that one game where he missed absolutely all those threes. Yeah. Everybody was clotting him being the next Andre Roberson, whatever. And then all of a sudden he's hitting six. He, he pops up. He pops up. What does that tell you about him? This is the type of player you're looking for. Take all those headlines. Take all that trash and do something with it. But to do it within one game is remarkable. Mm-hmm. And the way he was defending James Harden. James Harden looked lost. Yeah. Harden looked lost. Yeah. It was Covington. It was the other players that were really coming together that pushed them over the edge to win. But they didn't deserve to win that series. I'll tell yeah. you that right now. They did not deserve to win that series. But the Thunder just played with heart, and it was such an entertaining series. That game seven, of course, I was heartbroken. Any competitive fan is going to tell you. No one's going to be like, oh, but I'm so happy with the result. Of course not. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you that. But I'm just so excited for the future. Mm-hmm. I've never been this excited for a team to, to, to watch them rebuild. We were talking about this before the season even started, but now even more so because I see the, the potential in Shea. I see the potential in Dort. I see the potential in Baisley. All these different players coming together. But can I just get, go on a little mini rant for just a little bit? Go for it. Thunder fans, of course we love Steven Adams, but he is Aquafina. He's not Aquaman. What was he doing? There were so many. Use your size. He looked like he had no hunger in him. He did not want to win the game. In game seven, he just didn't look like he cared. Steven Adams always had this attitude with him that he just doesn't want to win. And it pisses me off. I can't remember if it was game five or game six when there's that final inbound play and they just needed like two to tie or something like that or even two to win. Steven Adams had an open look and it just... Didn't even look at the basket. He Did wasn't not even for, look at the even, basket. It was right there for him. There was no defenders between him and the 12 but feet of the room. that, Omar, more than that, okay, that one play was really annoying, but I'm watching throughout the game. His offensive boards, his soft touches, he's not trying to dunk the ball or just go at him and get fouled. He's doing these soft touches. You should be, you sh- Rush should not be getting a rebound over you. He's not on the thunder anymore, Stephen Adams. You don't got to let him get these rebounds. You can get it yourself. The stats are yours. Take the game. Take the game. Yeah. The reason why the seven-game series is because Lou Dort was was playing ridiculously well. These rookies and these sophomore players were playing well. But with Steven Adams playing average, give me average. Where was he? That contract's looking bad. So much. Yeah. 
A lot of money, a lot of money for like very below average play coming out of him. But hey, for for whatever you lost on Steven Adams, you got to realize OKC took took in Chris Paul and they got assets for taking in Chris Paul because Chris Paul was to be an albatross contract. They're going to deal Chris Paul this offseason and they're going to get assets for dealing Chris Paul. They rehabilitated his value. That is so crazy to think about. That is so crazy to think about. They brought this guy in. They provided mentorship, leadership. They they took, they got extra assets for taking it off of their hands and then are going to send him out for extra assets as well to a contender that needs him. Unbelievable. Which is, imagine having a good front office. Just imagine. <laughs> oh my God. So that was, those are my thoughts on the yeah. uh, Thunder and Rockets. I mean, speaking of the front office, I mean, like, do you think Dallas makes a move? How did you feel about that? How did you feel about the Mavericks and Clippers series in that first round? Yeah, on, honestly, I it, it was absolutely phenomenal to watch Luca in that setting. Luca yeah, belongs no in the kidding, playoffs man. every single year of his career. Luca belongs in the playoffs and Dallas just needs to ensure as long as you have Luca on your team and he is healthy, you have a chance of making noise. You have a chance of doing something to upset someone. You have the the title favorites in the Clippers on their heels, like fighting for their lives against Luka Doncic without, without Porzingis, right? Like, there's not much that Dallas can do when it comes can to do, big yeah. blockbusters. They've made their big blockbusters already. Now it's just about playing the margins and finding Luka the shooters that he needs so he can drive and kick, so he can find the open man. But what do, they, what do you do? You give Luka whatever he asks for. You That's do whatever you can. Because this give man is everything. just getting better and better. I'm just in shock. I'm like, what? This is his second or third year in the league right now? Uh, yeah. I think it's a, a second, I think. Or third, sorry. This guy is just getting better and better. And there were people saying that he had hit a ceiling before he even came over to the NBA. Like, oh, no, this is as, as good as he gets. He's been playing basketball for so long, you know, since he was a little kid. This is as good as he gets. Get out of here with your Euro hate. This man is going to be a problem. This man is a problem. Is a problem. This man is a problem. Uh, he's my pick for MVP next year. He's my pick for MVP for the next few years. This guy is... This is his league. Like we we were thinking about it, and, and not to get too big picture, I still want to talk about the series. But we took we we often talk about passing of the crown, right? You know, after LeBron, yeah. what's next, right? And we'll see this year. You know, LeBron's still in the playoffs. He's still going very well. Might win championship finals MVP. But whether it's this season or next season, that crown's getting passed, right? And we were thinking maybe it's Giannis, but depending based on his show which, showing, which we'll get into, and how they went out. I think it's gonna jump right over Giannis and go straight to Luca. I think I think Giannis missed his window. I think I this is so. Luca's league right now. You can't justify uh, getting bounced like that. Yeah, and on top of that, y- yeah, obviously there's a lot of context, but you can't justify the only game being won without you. Yeah, LeBron would never, and that's why he's the greatest player in the NBA. Yeah. And I don't want to hear anything about Kawhi Leonard, but again, we, we will get into that. We will get into right, that. Let's talk, so let's talk about this. We, we watched a, We watched a couple of the games together. I yes, think. We did. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and it was, you just know, like you just know 
Wasi called the shot. Wasi called the shot. No, it was it game five, I think it was, or 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 game whatever. Five, step yeah. back three, step back three, or whatever. Yeah. When we're at where bang, we're at the sniper. bang. Mike Breen bangs after Luca shots. Like it's just he's so good. He's honestly playing like another game. There are a few players in the league when you watch them play, it's like they're playing a completely different sport because they yeah. just Chris Paul has that somehow. Um, in some ways, sorry, not somehow. LeBron, for sure. It's just certain players that just understand the game so much better than everyone else. And Luka's just one of those players. And offensively, like, I don't... The, he is he is, in an, he is an offense on his own. LeBron level. Where if LeBron is there, it doesn't matter what schemes you wanted. It doesn't matter what you had in mind. He's the focal point and everything runs through him kind of thing. The only thing that I did notice about Luca, and this is not even like a negative thing. It's more so a what's to come then? Because we haven't seen Luca at full force. Yeah. We haven't seen and you know what the reason why I'm saying that is because Luca is an extremely emotional player. Mm-hmm. And he definitely lets things get to him. And that's yeah. what the Clippers were doing. The yeah. Clippers were just throwing bodies at him and he was getting really angry. Yeah, he was getting mad about these the calls that he's not getting, and that somewhat affected his play. Yeah, I remember I think in uh, one of the games in the first half when they first started throwing bodies at him, he was like one for eight, extremely passive. Mm-hmm. His emotions got to him, but now here's a twist: I trust him to mature up because he's super yeah. young. Yeah, Omar, when he matures up, it's not even a hot take to say that he will be the next LeBron. Yeah. I don't even think that's a hot take to say. Yeah. When he matures up, if he matures up and gets to that point and he continues giving this output, and of course you need to win. Of course you do. But I think that will obviously lead that to him. Uh, lead two W's. A matured Luka Doncic that doesn't let these petty things get to him? Come on. Yeah. What are you going to do? What can you do against that? This is going to be fun. Like, this is going to yeah. be fun to see. These next few years... Luca's league, like he is very, he's a very like, he's also like this little like bubbly personality kid. Like, like he yeah. said, like he's emotional in the same way. You just want to root for this guy. You, you really you like him. You him. really like him. And you just get pissed off as hell when like people are trying to antagonize him or a la Marcus Morris trying to injure him purposely oh, and stuff like that. Like clips. straight dirty play and stuff like that. And then denying it. And then later on saying, yeah, I actually was like, like get out of here and stuff like that. So it's it's going to be really fun to watch him. I'm ready for Luca's league. Let's just say that. Like Le- I will shed tears when LeBron retires and 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 uh, when his reign is done. But the league is in good hands with with Luca Doncic. And um, yeah, like the 2020s. This is this is Luca's decade. Yeah, uh, we passed Trey Young. Yeah, he's going to be one of those. You know, like. But a face of a league is, yeah. it's a huge task. Yeah. And Luca is ready to take it. Yeah. He's ready for prime time. I think he can do it. And as you said, I am excited. I'm excited to see Luca's league. Yeah. Um, I will say in this series, though, is when I started to notice the Clippers not looking as yeah. good as everybody thought they were, as everyone thought they were. And I'll go back to one of our hikes that we did. And we were talking about the Clippers. And you said this. And I've, and I've, been, I've been sticking to it ever since. And I've been thinking about it. it. With every Clippers game that I've watched, they're not as deep as people think they are. Mm-hmm. They are not that deep of a team. 
And people get it twisted because on paper, like, oh, Pat Bev's a dog. Yeah, a rabid one. <laughs> yeah, but he's not. Work. He's not. <laughs> he's he's barking. He the the Clippers are not that deep of a team. And this in this series, the Mavericks and the uh, the Clippers is when it started to notice. I'm like, wait, without KP, they were still running these schemes and they were still blowing by them. Interesting. I wonder what that means for future matchups. Yeah. So this is when I started to kind of look into it a bit. I'm just like, huh, maybe the Clippers aren't all that. Yeah. I don't know. And and uh, along with a number of other things, but that was a big thing that ended up, and we'll get to it, being their downfall, right? Yeah. Players that we thought were, or or maybe not we, but other people thought were, oh, no, this is it. Look at how deep they are. They have, yeah. imagine being three deep at every position and all this stuff that they were saying, like, no, like these these aren't good players. Like it's 2020. These guys aren't there yet, or 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 are way past their time. So, uh, but but you know, I guess just r- tying a bow on first round. I think the other the other thing, just to pivot here slightly, would be Lakers Portland. I mean, on the side of LA. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The the other the other the the only team in LA that matters. Um, <laughs> Facts though. Yeah. Look, coming into this series, Dame's coming off 50, 60 point nights, absolutely nuclear, and and people are saying that this is the most dangerous eight seed ever. Mm. That this team, if healthy, is actually a five seed. So LeBron's in for a show. You have them dropping game one, and Paul Pierce coming on and saying it's done you know i don't want to hear this talk about him being the goat like chuck get out of here like everyone has portland going forward not everyone but a lot of people and and it's the very first clear. game overreactions yeah. are so funny like when milwaukee lost against orlando this was yeah. a time that lakers lost against portland like all these first round takes it's like whoa what is gonna what is what's gonna happen and then nature take its course. Everything gets balanced again. And the Lakers rightfully just tear apart the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah. Um, I don't have much more to say beyond that. You're, you're just dealing with two Hall of Famers versus one. And I think that the Lakers are just a better team. And I don't know. Like, I don't really know what, what more to say to this. Portland gave a valiant effort, but they're just not, they're not that team yet. And it's unfortunate yeah. that they had to play the Lakers. Yeah. They're going against the greatest player of all time. And Anthony Davis, the next up and coming. He said something. I didn't say, any, I didn't say anything. No, I have, I'm recording this podcast. So no, I mean, you can look back. I didn't say anything. The greatest player of all time. I don't remember that. Okay. But, you know, as we talk about the other series for the Lakers, let's just remember that, you know, narrative going in is that, you know, this is it. LeBron is going to lose in the in the in the first round to an eighth seed and and Portland's going to win. And, you know, that's what everyone's pushing. And then LeBron wins. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, well, they were they were never they were never a good team. Of course, they won that early. You know, they would, why did they even lose game one? It should have been a sweep. Like, why do they lose game yeah, one? Yeah. So so it's like LeBron fans are remembering all this. We are remembering all of this. All of the washed king tweets. We're keeping it in mind. You don't gotta tweet that because LeBron James does it himself. Live, Man, laugh, love. love. The kid from Akron. Yeah. The, the what else is they say? Strive for greatness. Yeah. Washed king, huh? Emoji, yeah. emoji, emoji. He's such a sorority girl, man. This Only 16 a- votes? I'm angry. 
He's such. Like, I love the way him. he tweets does him. not match LeBron James. I like, love the way he tweets, you would not think it's like the middle aged suburban mom. Middle aged yeah. suburban mom. Yeah. He's a wine mom, man. He's, yeah, yeah, he's actually the wine mom. Oh, uh, so that's the first round. It's yeah. a good roundup of all of that. There's really not much to say about Portland and Lakers unless you wanted to add something. No, um, let's get right into the next out, one. Yeah, down for the second round, then. Okay. Well, because we are talking about the Lakers still, let's just transition straight into the Lakers and the Rockets. Yeah. So, and, um, so, so, so let's talk that. Give us, give us a bit of an overview. You know, your, your, your thoughts on this. So, okay. So the Lakers and Rockets. I would say that the Rockets were that experiment that just it was a val it was it was again a valiant effort. It was a very interesting thing, but. 80s, 80s just going to be cooking as he was. He just was not missing. He had some games where he was 13 of 17. Yeah, there were some games where maybe Covington went completely off and, and Harden had those, you know, those 30-point performances and, and all of that. Russell Westbrook was still just getting daddied by LeBron the entire series. Uh, that, was, that was embarrassing. Um, but what I will say about this, man, is I want to introduce something called the Harden problem. And the reason why I say this is because the Lakers won in six, was it? I think it was five, five or six. Five or six. Yeah. I forgot I what die. it was. But check, yeah. the final game, Omar, when it's do or die, and it's not even like it's that blown out of proportion. The thing about Harden is, and you won't see this with a player like Steph Curry. If people are double teaming Steph Curry, or if he's trying to, you know, like if he can't be a threat offensively and he can't do his threes or whatever, whatever it may be, he will cut, he will get open, or he will find the open man. Harden racks up 10 plus assists. There's no reason for him not to, but look at the film. Look back at those games in crunch time. What does Harden do when he's exhausted? He stands around. He doesn't do anything to impact the game unless it's a step back three. The thing is, this isn't like, okay, he's tired. He'll bounce back for the next game. The Lakers already have three games on them. It's a matter of life or death. You will go home. Harden doesn't attempt a single field goal. Yep. He doesn't even attempt. He doesn't even want to try to take. Say what you will about Russell Westbrook. He will shoot you out the game, but at least he will try. Harden is not even trying. He's standing around, not even trying to shoot. I don't want to hear anybody talk about James Harden with that level of respect in the echelon of LeBron James, of AD, of Kawhi, of other players. I don't want to hear Harden in anything. There's too many Harden apologists talking about Harden is this, Harden is that. Here's what I saw on Twitter that was so freaking true. He had a bad playoff performance. Okay. He's going to drop 50 against Charlotte and rinse repeat. People are going to be like, Harden is a problem. You wait till Harden gets to the playoffs. And the same freaking thing is going to happen because unlike Luka Doncic, Harden is not ready. He can't do it. And Houston is losing because of this. man. It's because of Harden. He's not ready. He needs to be a secondary option. Him and Chris Paul were working. They had the most, I think, wins or some ridiculous stat like that as a, as a duo. But Harden can't handle pressure. 
can we go back to 2017 with uh was that like it was that against san, san, antonio? san antonio yeah can we go back to oh for 27 can we go back to right now harden is not a he is a problem he will get you 30 points with 21 free throws but can he impact the game he lacks impact he's not a first option so, so I've I've always been this this hardened apologist because I've always felt that unjustly so people have been kind of blowing some of these narratives out of out of proportion. So this was a rough series for me for him to go out the way he did because it's like how do I defend this right? How do I? It, it becomes indefensible at a point where it's like okay no so you know what like the seventeen wasn't really that he was like really overworked and exhausted. Okay, yeah, this year it was like. To see it year after year happen, it's like this is something rough. needs to flip. This is rough. And I get it, you know, Westbrook perhaps isn't the easiest person to be a number two option with, but it's like, Harden, this is your team, and that's like your best friend. Demand the ball, right? Like if you and I are playing and and I'm just not doing anything, and I can very clearly get a bucket and you're shooting us out of the game, I'm just gonna be like, dude, just give me the ball, like one possession. Literally just give me one shot, right? Like you, what you think you're gonna ruin your relationship with it like and and for him to walk away from cp3 because he thought that he chose to have his friend rather than his best shot at winning like that's rough and and i think what it comes down to is and the reason why harden was like that in the last in the, in the fourth quarter of their elimination game it was five it was game five um it comes back to something you said. That same hike when we went, like, uh, you know, maybe it was a month ago or something. We are talking, and you were talking about Dame in this lens, and I think it's more true for Harden. I think Harden, at some point in that series, just realized that he's not the better player and they're not the better team. This is LeBron James, yeah. the greatest player of all time. And, like, what do you expect me to do? That DeMar DeRozan mentality after losing to LeBron, after getting swept to LeBron, it's like, well, what do you expect? You know, he's LeBron James. I think that hit him. Game five, and you just realize, like, what's the point, right? What What is the point? And, yeah. and though there might be truth in that, because after the fact, we look back at it and we say LeBron James is the greatest player of all time, all this stuff. You don't want your franchise player talking like that or, or feeling that in the middle of a game, like... So for LeBron, it starts from the top, yeah. right? The Raptors yeah. lost because of Demar's mindset. He's like, "All right, yeah. guys, let's just try our best," but yeah. we're probably not going to beat them. And even yeah. if he's not going to say that, he has that attitude about him. And Harden has the same thing. His attitude is not there. Yeah. So it's like he's had his chances. Like I feel like at this point, if I'm taking that position that you have, I've given Harden his due course. I have advocated for him to win three of the last few MVPs, right? Like uh, I have said that he is, his defense is, is incredibly underrated and, and people are just unnecessarily hate on Harden because of the way he plays, even though he's one of the greatest, if not the greatest scorer we've ever seen, perhaps in a regular season setting, but like, come on, like I'm trying here, Harden. And what are you giving me? Right? Like to go out the way you did, it's like, I don't know what more I can say at this point. And on top of that, just keeping up with the with the Houston Rockets some more. Uh, D'Antoni called it quits. Yeah, he's not gonna continue with the uh, Houston Rockets, and uh, it's gonna be interesting. I don't know any potential runners for the Houston Rockets. Whether it's just gonna be, yeah. I don't. I, I'm not even gonna try to. 
you know, try to yeah. guess. I have no idea what's going on with Gerald Morey or what he wants to do, but Harden, no yeah. doubt, has a lot of love for D'Antoni. Uh, yeah. I think Harden and D'Antoni are kind of one. They're kind of just, Harden is just like, don't get rid, don't get rid of D'Antoni for anything. And D'Antoni is kind of like, don't get rid of Harden for anything. These yeah. two are together. Uh, so the that, fact that they're yeah. separated, what does that mean for the Rockets now? D'Antoni let Harden play the way that Harden wanted to play, right? And yeah. put him in this position where he was in MVP contention for years and years and years. And and I think the thing with D'Antoni, it's like, yeah, you know, it's one of those things where it's maybe it's like Brett Brown. It's time for a change, right? Like, you know, we've had a good run. Let's try something different. Not to say D'Antoni's a bad coach. I have a lot of respect for him. But a, another part of the reason for him leaving is just Houston Rockets owner is cheap as hell. I think he offered D'Antoni a one-year extension for $3 million or something like that. D'Antoni can get $5 million a year for multi-years if he signs anywhere else, right? Like, he's that caliber of a coach. He Like, it's a disrespectful offer uh, for, for that little money. So, it's, um, you know, he'll he'll land on his feet if, if he wants to coach. I mean, he, he's approaching the 70s, I think, right? So, maybe uh, not, not to be ageist or anything like that, but maybe being a head coach it's a very taxing and stressful job maybe he doesn't want that anymore at this stage of his life right but if he does if that's what he wants i have full confidence that he'll land as a head coach somewhere and and yeah it's a a quick nugget while we're talking about coaches leaving i don't know if you read up on uh you know uh billy d's gone right out of okc yeah yeah and uh so so with him it was an amicable separation because uh, Billy Donovan was brought in to be a coach for a championship caliber team. He was told that he was going to com- uh, compete for championships year in, year out. This was a team that had uh, some uh, three top 10 players in the NBA or, or, or something along those lines, right? And now that he was leaving, so the, the, the nugget that came out of that in the story was uh, Sam Presti got like a case of beer and, and he went to Billy Donovan's office and they just sat together and they just knew that it was time to to, oh, to go different ways and they sat together and they just drank and they just reminisced over these last few years everything they've gone through everything they've been through all those that must have been quite the uh yeah, quite, quite the, the conversation, conversation imagine because... being a fly fly in that wall a no, fly yeah in the room, yeah no 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 doubt about it and you know what like i've had my fair share of screw billy donovan billy donovan this billy donovan that and of course i'm going to give a lot of credit to chris paul i feel like you know they work together to kind of figure out a game plan, but it really does come, come down to the coach. Here's what it is about Billy Donovan. He always has been a phenomenal college coach, right? He's always has been a phenomenal college coach. He's very well decorated in college. So when you have young talent, like what he had over in this year with Oklahoma City Thunder, it kind of gave that, college atmosphere again with all these younger players that he has without one you know like veteran you know floor general whatever and you know salute to him he made the most of it 0.2 percent chance of making the playoffs Mm -hmm. that doesn't just come from chris paul yeah that doesn't just come from you know shea doesn't come from just gallinari it comes from everybody coming together, including Billy, Billy Donovan. Yep. And that's why a huge shout out to him. He left on a high note and I'll always have respect for him. Yep. Um, can he manage Eagles? Maybe not. I don't think he was able to manage Westbrook that well. But then again, who can, right? Like, who, who can? Yeah, who, that's who a very, can manage? Very good Do question. we think Pop can manage Russell Westbrook's ego? Like, it, we're talking uh, unstoppable force, immovable yeah, object, no, right? Like, no doubt about it. Yeah. So, But he did the best he could. And uh, 
obviously there were disappointing runs when, you know, like he wouldn't make the right adjustments in my opinion, at least, or the right rotations against Utah or against, you know, like past, you know, playoff performances. It wasn't the best, but all in all, man, he still came out. And this season is what I'm going to remember him for. He was great. And I wish the best for him. Perfect. So it's good. Good farewell to, to Billy D. And on that note, let's kind of get back into to second round. I know there's a lot for us to still cover. So we talked, uh, you know, Lakers Rockets and there's a, there's a few more uh, series. So which way do you want to go? Do you want to stay in the West or do you want to go over to the East? You know what? Go to the East. Yeah, let's go to yeah, the East. So we're talking about how, how this was a year that certain narratives got set in stone This uh, how, when it comes to Harden, how, you know, despite a lot of fans arguing one way, me being one, I had to take a step back this year and say, okay, maybe this is true. On that note, let's talk about the fraudulent Milwaukee Bucks oh, man. and some some narratives that, you know, some some key individuals on Twitter may, uh, I don't know this guy, um, you know, Omar Shabir. Uh, he's been pushing that uh, Giannis is a regular season player and Mike Budenholzer is a regular season coach and he's been pushing this for years. So, where do we stand on that? You know, can Milwaukee fans, can Harden fans, can NBA media defend this now? Like, what happened, Ben? What the Giannis hell happened? Giannis is weak. Giannis is weak. And the moment I lost respect from him, because I like him as a player, and I think he is still obviously a great player, legitimately great player. But what really pissed me off is when it was... Uh, I think a reporter asked a question to Giannis saying, hey, Jimmy Butler was going off, right? He had like something like uh, 40 points or something. He was just going off. Uh, as a defensive player of the year, why didn't you take up that assignment? Yeah. And his response was, why would I do that? Why would you ask that question? Yeah. Uh, I follow what coach says. Whatever coach tells me to do is what I do. Yeah. As a player, I feel like it's also your response. You're the one playing the game. You should be like, I'm the defensive player of the year. Give me him. I will shut that boy down. Yep. That's the mindset of a winner. That way he answered that question didn't strike me as a winner at all. Mm-hmm. It kind of struck me as a, but coach told me to, as an excuse-driven individual. And that's not what you're looking for in a superstar. Yeah. The only game that the Bucks won was without Giannis. And frankly... I'm surprised that the takes were not as hot as they were. Oh, I, 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 I was, I didn't tweet it, but I, I, in my head, you know, they're better. Oh, but I was really confused. I'm like, even NBA media, I thought this would be like, like the, like the, uh, the takes from like the Clippers losing. Yeah. I was like, Jan's the only game, the only reason you didn't get swept is because you sat out. Yeah. Very interesting. What does that say about you? Can we build around you? Are you right to build around? None of these takes. I'm like, okay, that's a little surprising, but I'll have my own, and that's what I think. And and the question I want to pose to you: Is it right to build around Giannis? Can it lead to mediocre success, or can you legitimately win a title with Giannis or being be, uh, building around Giannis? I yep. think if you do that, I think you Giannis needs to up his game. He needs to elevate his game even more. Chuck yep. was talking about it. Kenny was talking about it. Post up if you're not going to shoot, at least post up. Yeah, learn some post moves. I, I I saw this tweet where it was like, we've been wrong, and and not me, but NBA Twitter has been comparing Giannis to Shaq, that level of unstoppableness. But we got to understand, like, Shaq was a post player. 
Shaq yeah. had post moves. Shaq yeah. was skilled. He was big, yes. He was dominant, yes. But he was skilled in the post. Giannis doesn't have a skill set. Giannis not is just big. And we, not we, not me, but NBA media roasted Harden in the regular season when he said this. When he said, "Oh yeah, you know, I'm 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 not like Giannis. I'm not seven one. I can't. I'm not. I'm not just big, right? Like I need to have." It's all coming to fruition and, now, though. Isn't and it? and people roasted Harden for that, right? Like, oh, how dare you and stuff like that. You know how you stop Giannis? You just stand in front of him. Yep. And he can't do anything. You literally just stand in front of Giannis, and he can't do anything. You would think they would learn from last year. Yeah. Nick and what does that say? Build the wall. And what does that say about the Bucks, about about Coach Bud, about Giannis? Yeah, not changing your game up because you're hoping they won't do the same thing. Come on, give me your break. The the, the and and I listened to the Dunked On podcast, and you know, like uh, Nate Duncan, Dan, Danny Larue, they brought this up. Okay, I get it. You you you're here in the playoffs. You're gonna use what you've been doing all season. You're gonna hope that this is the thing that gets you over the finish line. What pissed me off about the Bucks and what they were saying is this team did not experiment during the regular season. Ben, the regular season is a warm-up for this team. For a team that has the MVP, for a team that's going to get first seed in the East, for a team that's doing all this stuff, what would you do in the regular season? You would experiment. You would tinker. You would play with different offenses, different defenses, different schemes. Try to work out the kinks of, okay, uh, how about we have, let's all bring up the ball. How about we switch everything? How about we play some conventional pick and order defense? How about we run different types of plays to counter what you know is going to happen in the playoffs? They did nothing. They pub stomped teams, demolished them. Giannis sat, uh, writers said, crowned him the MVP. He did his, you know, crown thing uh, on Christmas day or, what, or whatever that was. And you get to the end and you realize hey, we're trying to do things we've never done all season. So what does Bud do? Let's just keep doing what we did all season kind of thing. We can't experiment because they have no practice doing it, right? It's like, that's what you should be doing. And Nick Nurse is really good at this where he uses the regular season as a ramp up to try different things out. So when they get to the playoffs, Nick Nurse's teams have the ability every possession down the floor to throw a different defensive scheme at the, at the team that they're playing. Okay, it's box and one now. Okay, we're playing a bit of zone now. Okay, we're switching everything. Okay, like every time, because the teams are so trained. Cal Lowry, Fred Van Lee, these guys know how to lead that team. The Bucks just do the same thing every year and then lose and be like, oh, well, let's try again next year. It's like you wasted 70 games of the regular season. With, with, any, with any loss or with anything, uh, there needs to be a deep level of reflection. What went wrong? And that's what's missing with the Bucks, Because it seems like the way they carried their attitude and the way they carry their team, it's as if they're doing nothing wrong. Yeah, It's kind of just like, oh, well, last year they had the greatest player in Kawhi and you know, they kind of just got lucky. They built this wall, whatever. We're not going to have to deal with that again. But they didn't... It's like they just, again, fill, fill up the room with excuses, but not a okay, this happened. What can we do for next time? If you don't have that growth instilled in your culture, you're not going to be a winning basketball team. And that's what we're seeing firsthand with the Milwaukee Bucks. If they continue this, they're just, they're not going to win. They're yeah. not a winning basketball team. Yeah. The Miami Heat had no business winning in five. It wasn't even a series. Yeah. Like, 
it wasn't even an entertaining series to watch other than the narratives or seeing the Milwaukee Bucks get pummeled by Jimmy Butler. It's, it's embarrassing to see that that's the way they carry themselves. Yeah. You want to, you want your team, you want your superstar more so to learn and develop and grow your game. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just expected. So, 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 you know, close, just closing thoughts on the bucks for, for that is next season. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear about how their first seed. I don't want to hear about how they have the best point differential. I don't want to hear about how they win on Christmas Day or or, or whatever. On individual like, accolades. Yeah, man. I I don't care about the Milwaukee Bucks, and that was me this year. That was me last year, and that's going to be me every year going forward until someone proves me wrong. Yeah. It's like I am not cutting them any slack. People love to tote. A regular season net differentials and 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 all of these things in in my face when it comes to Milwaukee Bucks and how good Giannis is and all this, but until you show the ability to do something in the playoffs, I'm not even talking about bringing home a championship because we know how difficult it is to bring home a championship. I'm talking about going out the way you did two years in a row, a reverse sweep last year and pretty much a sweep for Giannis this year as well. Like, yeah. what is this? we're going to hold you accountable and I'm not going to let anyone talk me into the Milwaukee Bucks. I haven't been afraid of them ever. As long as Giannis and Bud are the way they are, I'm not afraid of the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't care if they go 80 and two next season, go into the playoffs. The Toronto Raptors will beat them because they're out. They're going to get out coached and they're going to get outworked. You pretty much, you, you concluded it. Well, I have nothing to say to that. Uh, The way you feel about, Giannis and the Bucks is kind of how I feel about Harden and yeah. the Rockets. It's really similar. I don't care about his scoring titles, about his MVPs, about how well they played throughout the regular season and how Harden and Westbrook are that one-two punch. It just doesn't work in the playoffs. And until I'm proven wrong, I'm not going to take them seriously. Yeah. So that's what it was with uh, Milwaukee and Miami. And we had a little bit of a difficult series with the Toronto Raptors and the Boston Celtics, right? Uh, I guess a quick overview on that is the Celtics were up 2-0, but the, the Toronto Raptors, what I will say is similar to OKC, they continued fighting. And my whole thing was never underestimate the heart of a champion. And I truly believe that. I feel like they had this confidence instilled in them that we're the champions regardless of Kawhi or not. We are the champions and we will prove them. And yeah. that's why it was a seven-game series. Yeah, Kyle Lowry deserves a statue in Toronto. I don't know. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Statue. The greatest Toronto. Raptor of all time. Of all time, and it's not even close. He, yeah. for as long as he wore Raptors jersey, he's been the greatest, and he deserves everything that every bit of praise that he's getting from everybody within the city now. Um, he just has this thing about him where I've never seen someone be so close to that thing of saying when, when people say that he is the heart of the team. Yeah. When you think about it, it's like, Oh yeah. You know, it's just like this, it's just like this, uh, this phrase is saying, right. He's like the, the heart of the team where he plays with his heart on his sleeve. Larry does that. I literally see the heart of Toronto Raptors in Larry and he holds it with high regard and he respects it. And the reason why it's a seven game series was because of that. Now, Lowry played extremely well. Norm Powell struggled, but he came when it he mattered. He had his moments. He had, he had, he his, had moments, his moments. Yeah. We can't talk about this series without talking about a couple of individuals. And I feel like you know who it is. No. Right? 
we'll start a little bit slower, but let's start off with Marcus All. Yeah. Rock, he, he had a he rock. Won. He won. He won the championship. And I think that's what he, that's the way he played, as if he won the championship already. That's yeah. the only way I can use, that's the only way I could describe his level of play. He did get a little bit better as the series went on. He was hitting some open threes, but he just seemed like he lost his step. And he just didn't play with that level of intensity like he did last year. And of course, it's difficult when, you know, the championship is, you you know, it's not, you don't necessarily need to win the championship. At At his age, it just doesn't strike me as Gasol really wanted to win. And watching him play, yeah. it kind of reminded me of Steven Adams in OKC. He just didn't have that it's, in him. It's 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 also fitting now that, you know, I think reports coming out where he's considering finishing the remainder of his career in Spain. In, in Spain and stuff, which I, you know, I can't even knock the guy for it. Imagine being an NBA champion. Your family's there. The weather's better there. That's your country. That's your people. Yeah. You're going to be a superstar there. You know, that's a good life to have. Thank you, Mark, for everything that you had given us. I will think of you fondly if that's what you, that's the path you, you decide to go down. We had a rough series, but I'm not going to let it define the tenure that you had here. With, the, with the, As short as it might have been with the Raptors, you were a key piece of why we won. So, you Huge know, piece. enjoy I mean, enjoy your life if that's what you want to do. I'll always be think fondly of your time here. he defended Embiid super well he defended on out of the series in a way well. yeah. it was yeah. Marcus all was amazing last year and I feel like Raptors fans in general and this is going to be a huge theme throughout this podcast you need to appreciate what was done last year yes you cannot forget that a championship the first ever championship for the Toronto Raptors a team of a history of just falling short of expectations and mediocrity won a championship last year with those guys. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. How did you feel about Fred Van Vliet? You know, I think I think Fred was was probably he was He's rough. A underwhelming he, to me. He, he was he was he was a little rough because I think when I think of Fred in the playoffs, I think of last two games against Milwaukee where he just went nuclear like last year. And I, and I think of that Fred and that was the Fred that I was hoping would return and, and, and all that, but it, you know, it wasn't there, but he complimented Lowry really well. He and Lowry ran a bunch of great pick and roll, pick and pop. And I think, I think, you know, he fell short, but it's, it's like, yes, he fell short, but we were a few points away from winning in game seven, right? Like, that's one thing I got to keep bringing back to. This was our game to lose, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot mm-hmm. of people are going to count the Raptors out. They're going to say we were down to uh, 2-0 or, or whatever it might be. Like, that was our game to lose in game seven. And, you know, if a couple shots go in, we get a couple stops, you know, we we we, we don't get blocked on a, on a fast break layup. I'm sorry, Norm Prowl. But, you know, the, the series goes differently all of a sudden, right? But, again, I won't. Even when we talk about this last player on our list, I don't, I'm not going to hold it on any one person because, again, that's not fair. But we all could have been better. You know, Nick Nurse made some mistakes. We all could have been better. So that leads us directly to this last person. And obviously, it's uh, Pascal Siakam. Nerves. I don't know what it was. Yeah. Since the bubble, he's been pretty bad. Yeah, and throughout this series, it wasn't even just bad, Omar. I he was atrocious. Yeah, 
whenever he had the ball, I was just in my head thinking turnover or miss, turnover or miss. Now, last year, Siakam, when he gets the ball, I'm thinking, okay, bucket. He's going to go in. He's going to drive in, get that, you know, he's going to spin around 80 times and then he's just going to, you know, get a bucket in. He was not giving me that. But more than that, it seemed like he was settling a lot. Not more, not in game seven, but in game six, I don't know how we won. It was a lot of settling for threes. He's not supposed to be that guy. He's not mm-hmm. supposed to shoot corner threes. That's just not him. But but even then, I mean, game seven, he was missing bunnies at the rim. Like, yeah, he, open layups. Like, open layups. His touch was just off. Like, he reminded me of, like, Pascal was great last year. Again, you know, appreciate what was done and stuff. But he reminded me of the Philly series where Embiid on Pascal, or at least for the first four games, like, took him out. Like, yeah. Pascal looked the same way he looked lost every time Embiid was on Pascal. That's what Pascal looked like this whole series. He looked lost. And yeah. I think that's the best way to kind of describe his play. He just looked lost. He looked, his defense, though, very wow. good. Very on good. Tatum, it was elite defense. He was sticking with him. He was doing everything right on defense. And that's how you feel for the guy. He didn't quit. He didn't. He, it wasn't like it was for a lack of trying. He tried. He just didn't have it. And it's so unfortunate. But what I will say, because a lot of disgusting tweets are being sent mm-hmm. and a lot of slander over Pascal Siakam. He was the guy that gave you 20 and 10 in the game six of the finals. Yeah. He was that guy. And you needed all points. Yeah. Are you going to say that was last year? Yeah. Am I going to live? Am I going to continue to live in the past? Yeah. Because guess what? 20 years from now, I'm going to bring up the championship that we saw live. You're going to talk about Lowry's three threes. We got a ring because of this, man. So So did he look lost? Absolutely. Was I frustrated? Absolutely. Yeah. But he always deserves a place in the Toronto Raptors history books because of what he did last year. Yeah. And I'm hoping, because Kyle Lowry said this to Pascal, he said, read every single headline, every single piece of slander and trash talk that people and fans and media and analysts are saying, read all of them. And this is what will determine the type of player Siakam will be in the future. Yeah. If he comes back strong, guess what? We have our superstar. I'm saying that right now. If he comes back strong, he is our superstar. Not an all-star. He will be our superstar. Yeah. Because these are the failures that you need sometimes to really push you over the edge. Yeah. I think my my closing thoughts on 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 this two things. One, baby, we're still champions. No yeah. one's ever taken that away from us. That gives me comfort. Whatever happens this offseason, we have we had two priorities. First was re-signing Nick Nurse, which we have. Locked him down into a multi-year deal. Second, bringing back Masai and the bring rest of the front office. Bobby bring Webster, bring, bring them all back. Pay him, do what we need to. Our offseason plans, if we can get those two things done. That's it. I'm happy. It doesn't matter what direction we go to. If we say, pay the players. Hey man, it's not my money. That's my thing. These these guys are champions. You want to give them golden handshakes and 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 set them up until they retire. You want Lowry here for you know three four years, whatever it might be. Do it, man. Pay these guys. I'm happy. We have a championship twenty years from now. I'll still be happy because of this championship, right? So we're we're good in we're good in my books. That's the first thing. Second thing, closing thoughts on Pascal. Growth is not linear. 
growth is not linear just because someone was 20 and 10 last year doesn't mean he's going to be 25 and 12 this year like growth is not linear everyone has their ups and downs this was a very difficult and different setting to play basketball in and you know I have confidence that if we at least have some of those core guys together we have Nick Nurse still and Pascal comes back into that environment I think he can be the guy the guy that we need so it's going to be, it's, I'm still happy. Like that championship and that really took so much stress off of me. That made me enjoy Toronto basketball so much more. Yeah. Like normally this would be a crushing loss and don't get me wrong. Yeah. I was devastated after it's game so seven yeah, absolutely. at a cottage. We're all listening to Marvin's room just by the fire staring into the <laughs> fire. And just been like, man, what do we do? Who do we trade? Like, it's just, it's just like that. But I mean, a few hours later, it's like, man, I'm good, man. I'm we good. Want a championship. We want a championship. What are we sad about? We want a championship. So uh, that's one final thing I will yeah. mention as well. And I'm glad you brought that up, by the way. Nick Nurse and Masai, that's you you give me those two and we're good. Yeah. We need Masai. We absolutely need Masai, and I will riot if he doesn't stick with us. Yeah. Um, hopefully he sees a challenge with the Toronto Raptors and wants to stick with us even longer and he doesn't want to go to some like terrible franchise like the Knicks or something. MLSC, give him ownership. Give him equity in this, man. Give him anything that he wants because he deserves it. Second thing I will say, that boy OG, that boy OG Ananomi was balling. Yeah. And in high-stress situations, he came out on top and yeah. that gives me a newfound hope for 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 him. I don't want to deal like him. I'm a three kind of guy, yeah. but Man, is he a baller? I, I don't like want to deal him. I want to see where this goes. I want to see really where this like goes. him. Yeah. I really like him. I think if he continues with his work ethic, he's had a lot. He's had he's played with Kawhi. He's played with Mark Gasol, Kyle Lowry. He's played with decorated like players, Hall of Famers. Yeah. So it's very interesting to see where he goes. I want to keep up with his uh with his progression yeah. because I think. I think he will progress. I'm I'm certain he will progress. Um, sure. Can we talk about it now? <laughs> Go for can it. Get to it now. Go for it. Because I know I mentioned Kawhi, but uh, go for it. Isam, <laughs> <laughs> I know you're listening. I know you're listening right now. Why did you like the Clippers? The fraudulent Clippers. A moment of silence. For all of the Clippers fans who became Clippers fans just because they hate LeBron. <laughs> ben. What happened? What happened? 3-1. Let's just set the setting real quick. Pat Beverly talking that trash. Talking about 1-2-3 Cancun. Talking about the next five years are hours to Steph Curry. Talking about LeBron. You guys got a problem. Now you're going to deal with the Clippers. It's like that stupid little brother that keeps tagging on your, on your jacket. Just like keeps tugging on like, hey, hey, can I connect? I'm going to beat you up. It's like, no. Your sister beat you up already. What you going to do with me? They were talking all this track, trash. Marcus Morris was talking that trash, talking to Paul Millsap, talking about you guys are going to get ready to uh, pack up and go back home. Lou Will, Lemon Pepper Lou, he's not focused on r- rings, he's focused on wings. <laughs> Who else you got over there in that disgusting team? They're so gross. I don't like a single player in that. The Clippers most, team. the most detestable team. The Shout out to Landry Shaman, though. I like you, but the most yeah. hated Clippers team. Has a team ever been this hated without accomplishing anything? 
Like, like I, I, I know that, you know, the, uh, I was wondering about that. Actually, yeah. I was wondering about the 2011 Miami heat when they lost against Dallas. Maybe I wonder if it was similar. Maybe, but, but I think like, cause they were on that yeah. bullshit. They were talking about that. Not one, not two, not three. <laughs> so, so here's, here's, here's my thing with the 2011 and, and a thing that makes it different. It was a loss in the finals. So what was the conversation? The conversation was not one, not two, not three. Damn, they're gone. LeBron made the super team, didn't get a ring, choked, all this stuff. And immediately after, this unbelievable Cinderella story with the Dallas Mavericks. And that's it. No more ball talk. But here, they lost before the conference finals. Not even the finals. The conference finals. So the narrative is just, wait a minute. These guys were supposed to be the favorites? like. The, the ball talk still continues. It's not final. It's not lost in the finals or anything like that. It's not absolute. It's like, no, we still have a month of basketball left. What the hell happened here? The Clippers were up 3-1 with 19-point leads, 12-point leads, 15-point leads, and then they just crumble. Yeah. Kawhi Leonard was great until game seven. Yeah. Game seven, he crumbled. Fourth quarters of this series, he crumbled. Kawhi was great in the first half, you know, third quarter. Fourth quarters, he was awful. Him and Paul George, they were really bad. They could not close. Patrick Beverly was just running around doing nothing. He fooled, he tricked y'all, man. He's running around doing nothing. Shout, shout out to Russ for saying the same thing about himself. So, so what I'm trying to think of is how do the Clippers bounce back from something like this? Paul George, we know he doesn't have the mental fortitude. Yeah. Let's go back to social media comments being blocked. Let's go back to him hitting the side of the backboard in a quarter three open. Nick Wright said Paul George's three almost hit a small child watching the game from afar. (laughs) The man said a small child. George Paul was was just terrible. And it's very clear. The pressure was just so on them. The Nuggets had nothing to lose. And now let me keep this clear, though, because I don't want this to get twisted. It wasn't like the Clippers beat themselves. No, 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 no. The Nuggets were the better team. Yeah. The Nuggets, with Jamal Murray dropping 40 and Nikola Jokic playing like a damn unicorn. On top of that, though, Gary Harris was hitting threes, which was huge. He was my X factor. I thought when Gary Harris hits threes, it's over for y'all. Because as long as Nikola Jokic and Murray keep balling out, but Harris is also hitting, hitting you up. Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap Jeremy had his own Grant. runs. Jeremy Grant. MPJ, I mean, who I'm not a fan of, but, you know, he came through as well. All of those guys put together. This was as much of a team victory as the Raptors last year. It was a team victory. And huge shout-out to their coach. What's his name again? Mike, Mike Malone. Malone. Huge shout-out to him because those halftime adjustments, clearly something happened. Clearly he saw something against Doc. And I feel like it was Doc doing the same thing over the like, yo, we can't lose another game. We can't lose another game. And then they lost the entire series. Yep. Yeah. Being a part 
of history when the most hated team gets what they deserve yeah. was the most satisfying thing. Dude, I have no shame in saying this. Isam knows this because I was in BC. I was on post-game threads until 4 a.m. when the Clippers lost. Mm. I just wanted to taste every bit of sadness. They locked their I subreddit. Loved it. They locked their subreddit oh, and everything. I have no shame in saying I'm toxic. Oh. Hell yeah, I'm toxic. I hate the Clippers. Hate. I hate everything about that team. Hate them. I don't like Doc Rivers. Hate I don't him. like Pat Bev. I don't like Lou hate Will. Him. I don't like Montrez. Hate him. Trez is talking about Trez was the only person in January that said we aren't a great team. Yeah. He said that. He's like, yo, we aren't actually a great team. And he's right. But y'all aren't great. Y'all aren't good. Y'all are trash. Man, the the thing is, like, this could have just been a loss and we leave it at that and it doesn't have to be a narrative. But just how detestable this team was the so entire hated. year. They the thought entire they won everything. year. Like, uh, Trez is on the jump at the beginning of the year saying, oh, it's over. It's over. We got Paul George and Kawhi. It's over. Like, uh, all the talk these guys did, the way they played, how dirty they were against Dallas and, like, all this stuff just coming out. Oh, man. It the was... entire NBA was rooting for the Nuggets. The entire everyone. NBA. America's it wasn't, team. It wasn't just the fans. It was players, coaching staff equipment managers everybody was rooting against the clippers game and cj's tweets after the clippers <laughs> lost oh my god the the funniest there were so many of them the funniest was cj was like y'all better not come for pat bev that man got above his average he did his job <laughs> it was so backhanded it was so nonchalant cj was was eating cj uh, was eating he's a funny ass dude, off the man. wine man off the wine yeah dame you know like he, he had his own th- but cj was going off he was not gonna let them lose and they don't deserve to be cut loose yeah. if they don't win a championship in a convincing way this clippers team is the biggest joke in history okay so so you asked where do you, where do you go from here right well where you go from here is you get roasted relentlessly until the next season begins you you start talking Dude, crap again. Get, literally yeah. until the next yeah. playoffs. You start talking crap again because that's just the kind of team you are and the kind of players you are. You think that you got it all figured out. Like you have everyone hate you and you have one shot. You have Kawhi signed a two plus one. Last year's a player option. He can walk after next year. Paul George has uh has one year guaranteed left and then a player option as well. So you mortgage your entire future and then you have your star players say this wasn't championship or bust. Steve Ballmer, Steve Ballmer gave up uh, seven years worth of picks, five picks and two swaps, seven years worth of pick coverage to to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And then to hear the star player that you traded for saying, no, it wasn't championship or bust. Steve Ballmer was like, what do you mean it wasn't championship or bust? I have nothing left to give. I have nothing left to give for this team. So all I'm saying, Ben, is you'd better pray that this team, that that they lose next year because Kawhi is going to walk. Paul George is going to walk. Why would they re-sign for four years there? They're going to get their max money elsewhere. Well, Paul George probably won't be worth max money at that point. Kawhi's going to get his max money elsewhere. And all of a sudden, those seven picks that you had that everyone thought were, you know, yeah, it's seven picks, but what good are first round picks when they're in the 20s or, or high 20s, right? All of a sudden, you might be looking at lottery picks, Ben. You might be looking at lottery picks because this team is crumbling. This team is crumbling. I can't stop smiling, man. I mean, 
Paul George is just such an unlikable NBA personality. Yeah. He talks so much trash. Loose lips P. That was his nickname since Indiana. All he does is talk. He just keeps talking and talking and talking with nothing to show for it. There's literally, and that's the issue with this Clippers team. They just were they were talking and talking and but who was quiet? The one who actually won something. Now, do I respect Kawhi? Of course, always in my heart. Always. What he did for the uh, for the Toronto Raptors should never go. Should should never be forgotten. And a lot of people seem to, you know, be brooding against Kawhi. Like, oh, screw him. He 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 left the Toronto Raptors. Okay, guys, come on. Let's be a little bit more mature than that. He wanted to go home, and on yeah. top of that, he gave us everything. He averaged thirty five points against Milwaukee. Come on, yeah. get over it. What I will say is this though, it still felt a little nice. That Kawhi left the same time the Raptors left. It oh, did man. in a very petty way. I still felt a little bit like, oh, so Kawhi didn't get. Oh well, maybe you should have stuck with the Raptors. I don't know. Guaranteed ring. I'm gonna say guaranteed ring if Kawhi was here. Guaranteed ring. If he if he re-signed this team. Guaranteed ring. Guaranteed. Like what? Sign for one year. Just defend your title and go. One year. Make it back to back. But you know what? It's okay. You know, you know what really made me feel that way? When she said, you know, that little bit of pettiness in me? That's people, I mean, the timeline blew up. Let's just say NBA Twitter. That was a, what a night to be alive. <laughs> what a night to be alive on NBA Twitter. It was unbelievable. One of the best nights in, my, in memory. And someone retweeted. I was a Lakers fan, obviously. Someone retweeted Kawhi saying, you know, this is the first time in my life that I'm playing with a superstar of this caliber. Um, you know, he's the same age as me. So, you know, the things that he can do, very excited for, 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 you know, the two of us together, something along the lines of that. And I was just thinking, I'm like, you know, Tim Duncan, just sipping his wine at home. What am I saying, man? He's, he's sipping like a, like a, like a, a zero calorie beer or something like that. That's what he's doing just at home. And I just think, and I'm like, Kyle Lowry, you know, packing his bags. He's like, Kawhi said, what now? Okay. That's literally what Lowry would do. That's literally what Lowry would do. Like, yeah. oh, okay, cool. okay, okay. Man, I loved it. I just wanted him to feel like that pain. That's what we were talking about. Yep. That's that, what we were talking pain. about. I just we wanted, wanted him, to him to feel like you chose oh, this. Like, you chose this. Yeah, this this is not this is not like you were traded somewhere, blah blah blah, like all this. No, like you chose this, and that's okay. Like Nick Wright, and I keep coming back to him because he's like my favorite analyst. He uh, he was on a Colin Coward show, and Colin Coward was basically saying, "Like, look, life is all about choices." And Kawhi made a choice. He could have chose to stay in Toronto, where they likely do back to back. He could have chose to go to LA. That'd be a guaranteed ring. Him, AD, and and LeBron. And he chose to go to the Clippers. He chose to say, "This is my city." He chose to, you know, have that whole LA branding campaign, and and he chose to force the Clippers to give up seven years worth of picks for Paul George. Now just think, Ben, if that was LeBron and he desecrates the team and their draft assets to force another trade and then doesn't produce, there's a whole lot of talk of the GM and what LeBron does to his teams. But the one thing you can never knock him for is LeBron produces. Yes. Trades are forced when LeBron is there. Yes. All of this happens. But LeBron is in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, sorry, the Western Conference Finals right now. And Kawhi's at home. 
Kawhi has absolutely a lot of blame. Kawhi has so much blame throughout yeah. this entire series. And yeah, he was balling out, but this was the first time when he was expected yeah. to deliver. He wasn't, he, there wasn't really expectation for him. I was like, yeah, he's here for a one-year stint. He's with the mediocre Toronto Raptors. You know, people didn't really have expectations. You know, mixed out with some injuries and something's happening and, you know, all of that put together. And lo and behold, you got a Toronto, you got a, you got a championship ring. Your, your second one, your second finals MVP. Uh, the last time you got it was 2014. Yeah, finals MVP. You were guarding LeBron and uh, you had a amazing, like you had Timmy D, you had Tony Parker, you had all these players, Mono Ginobili, uh, and, a, and, a, and a world-renowned coach and Coach Pop, right? All of these things, you have them at your disposal. So here's what happened. People forgot about the context. They only focus on the player who admittedly performed extremely well. Yeah. But they're confusing. It's funny because I just watched this one thing recently on Lupe Fiasco talking about Kanye West and how he got crazy, right? And what he said just very briefly was, you can't forget about the people that brought you up. You didn't do all this thing, all these things by yourself. You've learned things from people and these people keep you grounded. They keep you humble. They keep you performing. Kawhi Leonard lost his people. He had this one camp just yapping at his ear. Uncle Dennis just talking. Oh, they're like, you are the greatest. You are this. You are that. Kawhi, you are not that. Yeah. You are not that. You have yet to prove it. For the first this time. this is yeah. why I never want to hear anything about Le- LeBron and Kawhi being in the same national. There are that. levels to this. There are levels to this. The only two players in the league that I would even think about putting in that tier with LeBron are Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. And and even then, like you have you have things that you can knock for them. You have potential pitfalls for them. You have, you know, Steph's zero finals MVPs and the fact that he was on stacked super teams. You have the fact that KD may not be the same player that he is coming back from injury, right? But knowing what we know, like not projecting into the future, knowing what we know, they are perhaps the only two players that I would be willing to put. But let's just understand that there are levels to this. There are levels to this, and I don't want to hear about a Giannis, a Harden, a Kawhi being mentioned in that same breath as LeBron James. There Kawhi are lost it. Yeah. He had it, and he lost it for the for the he had for, it, and he lost it for the first time in his career. Like you said, other than perhaps 2014, I would say the first time in his career, Kawhi has been the favorite going into it, like going into the postseason. He and his team have been the favorites to win the title. That pressure, that pressure was just too much for this team to handle. Who was the leader of this team? Kawhi is not that vocal leader. Paul George definitely is that. Like, who's the leader? You can't have a leader that's not good. And case in point, the Philadelphia 76ers, Tobias Harris was trying to be the leader, but he was scoring eight points a night or something. Like, that, that doesn't work. Lou Will's not the leader of this team. Montrell's Harold is not the leader of this team. Like, what happened to this team? Like, they went out sad. They went out sad. Of all the teams to go out the way they did, we're talking Milwaukee, we're talking Houston, we're t- all these teams, they went out the saddest. The saddest by far. The saddest. Because it was so close to tasting a, a Western Conference final. But they didn't. They didn't do it. They. It wasn't even like they were getting blown out by the Nuggets, which is its own thing. Like, oh, maybe it's a poor matchup. You know, it could be like a, a Celtics and Raptors thing, which legitimately just a poor matchup. They were winning by nineteen. Why did they not keep that lead? 
And on top of that, Omar, in Game Seven, um, because you know, like I, I was able to watch some of the plays and like watch some of the highlights and all that. Um, the Clippers quit. Yeah, their body language when they were playing the Nuggets in the fourth quarter, when the Nuggets were pulling away, it wasn't like, okay, come on, let's get all together, let's do this thing. It was more so a when Kawhi got stripped, he just stood there. Is the team ready to go home? They were he, ready to go home. They, they were ready to go. go. He didn't even try to get back on defense. He didn't even try to do some, you know, next level. And this goes back to your point because this shows the lack of a leadership presence. As you said, Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard is not a vocal leader. Paul George is vocal, but not a leader. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually one of the best one-liners I've heard. Paul George is is is, a, is vocal. He's just not he's, he's not a leader. That's actually quality. That's very good. I'll give you I'll give you kudos. So you got all of these pieces, but you know you had Kyle Lowry before. Yeah, you had Timmy D before. Yeah. Kawhi took that opportunity to be like, oh, I'm just going to continue doing what I'm doing. But you can't do that. If you want this to be your city, if you want this to be your team, you need to elevate your game in the sense of being an actual leader. But you came up short. And you're going to have to answer this throughout the entire regular season of next year. And zero points. What other superstar? We had people saying Kawhi is the best player in the league, all this stuff. Yeah. Could you imagine LeBron James? Doing uh, in the context, imagine it was LeBron that went to the Clippers and all this trade happened and all this stuff happened. And zero points in an elimination fourth quarter. Could you imagine where it's like, still your game? You can yeah, still come back. This is your back. game. You were the one losing the lead and had zero points. Not that you had the uh, you had to get back the lead or whatever it was. I I I can't even imagine. Like all I'm saying is like there needs to be accountability when it comes to this you cannot that's what's go around not, you that's can, not gonna happen though you, you cannot go around willy-nilly throwing the title of greatest player in the league best player in the league greatest of all time you cannot go around the league throwing this title around because in our time here we have seen that title thrown to Giannis, who's sitting at home we have seen the title thrown to Kawhi, who is sitting at home we and and it's not even the fact that they're at home. Great players lose. It's the way they lose. We need to hold that title to a bit more respect and really be smart about who we give it to. No doubt about it. This was one of the one of the biggest meltdowns in NBA history. Um, and I would say this is at least comparable to Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors in 16. Yeah. And the reason why I say that is because you are going against the greatest player. You are also, uh, you have suspensions, you have injuries. You can say something. Yeah. The Clippers didn't lose anybody. No. There wasn't a single injury for the Clippers. They were a fully healthy team against a team nobody paid any attention to. I'm yeah. sorry, but before this, I wasn't hearing anything about the Denver Nuggets. No. So I don't no. want to hear that BS about the Denver Nuggets are a great team. No, it's not that. The, the Clippers were the favorites. And the thing about Golden State is what you got to understand, the games were close, right? The games were close. Every game, every possession was a battle. This wasn't LeBron making a comeback from down 15, down 17, down 19 or whatever. Like every game was close and it was a battle back and forth the entire time. This was sad to blow leads like this. I'd say this is worse than what Golden State did 3-1. This 3-1 is worse 
to be the team that you were supposed to be, to talk all that talk and to go out like that. I don't want to, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about this team next year. It's like having a bunch of Draymond Greens just talking that trash everywhere, yeah. but a full roster of that. It's, 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 it's impossible to root for this team. Yeah. Honestly speaking, I was so confused with anybody who liked the Clippers. I'm just thinking to myself, why? LeBron haters, I am telling you. You know what's funny? A whole lot of Clippers fans became Denver Nuggets fans once the series was locked. When you think about it, they were Clippers fans because they hate LeBron, and now they're rooting for Denver Nuggets because they hate LeBron. So, well, I guess that's a pretty good transition then. I think we could probably yeah. have a little bit of a overview, our uh, predictions for the conference finals. Yeah. Uh, we have the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. Yesterday, just concluded the Boston Celtics won. Gordon Hayward is back. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, we have the Clippers, or not the Clippers, sorry, they ain't never making it. The yeah. Lakers and the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. So, so before we wrap up, let's just give our, our thoughts on that and sure where we thing. think it's going to go. Let's start in the West just because we were, we were just talking about them. So, you know, huge credit to the Denver Nuggets. They are going to be an incredibly difficult team for the Lakers, their hardest matchup so far in, in the postseason. And, but all honestly, from at the time of recording, there's been one game Lakers have won. I just think the Lakers are at a different level than 80s locked in the way he is. And, and Frank Vogel's making blood. the adjustments. Frank Vogel's making the adjustments that they can. I think the Lakers want to get this over quick. I think it's going to be a five-game series for the Lakers. And I think they want some rest before they go into the finals. I think, I think they're just at another level right now. As I said before, I don't want to hear none of that. The Clippers beat themselves. The, 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 the uh, pressure got to them. No, the Nuggets were a genuinely greater team. They were yep. a better team than the uh, than the Clippers. And huge credit needs to go to that boy from Kitchener. 44 points. Come on. Like, Jamal Murray was balling out. And he always seems to show up when it matters. Game 7 yep. against Utah. Game 7 against Clippers. Nikola Jokic is an extremely funny... Doesn't look like he no, even knows how to play basketball. He just kind of, you know, just throws a shot up and it always seems like a prayer but it swishes yeah his vision is it's legitimately like it's great his vision is great and his defense he's been good on defense this entire playoffs which took me by surprise he has been good on defense Nikola Jokic deserves praise the Denver Nuggets the entire roster including the coaches all of them deserve praise and I also want to give them a little bit of a uh, a little bit more credit as well because the level of confidence they get from a championship is next to none. But I'll say number two is this: being down three one twice and bouncing back. These guys are not scared of anyone. They're genuinely no. not scared of a single team in this sport, and that should be terrifying for the Lakers. Yeah. All of that put together, I'm thinking the Lakers in six. I'm not sure it's going to be a gentleman sweep. I feel like it's going to be a six-game series. I think the Nuggets are going to run away with a couple. I think the Lakers might be off for a couple of games, and I think Nicola and Jamal Murray, at least, are going to really just try to control the pace of the game and get the role players going and all of that put together. I see the Lakers in six. Of course, it's still the Lakers for the taking, but uh, I wouldn't doubt the mind of someone or a team that's lost, that's been down 3-1, and they managed to claw themselves back. They are terrifying in that regard. 
to to do it against the title favorites in the second round. You're not afraid. What does that do to your confidence? That's right. What does that do to your confidence? That is a scary team to be going up against in a seven game series. Not afraid at all. Yeah. And um, tonight, obviously, there's a game at 730. I'll be interested to see how they actually perform. Yeah. I want to see the level yeah. of play that they're at. But even then, the level of confidence that they have is seriously second to none. They're more confident than the Lakers. And LeBron even said it himself. They're a super resilient and confident team. So let's see that come into fruition. Yeah. I uh, still see the Lakers winning the series, of course, but I think the Nuggets will battle for a couple of them. Okay, that's fair. Let's uh, let's go over to the to the Eastern Conference uh, Finals. We have uh, the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat, and honestly, the series was looking kind of different uh, last night. You know, Boston Hayward comes back and back. wins. Hayward's back in the lineup, and uh, things are looking a little different. I still think this is Miami's series, but honestly, I think this one's going to seven. I think this one's going to go right down to the wire. Uh, the way Boston was looking last night, like they're a tough team to beat. I know because Philly's lost to Boston, what seems like 17 times in the last two years. Uh, they're a very difficult and annoying team to beat. They're not going to go out uh, easy. And, you know, the the return of Hayward brings some stability and some scoring that they were lacking. So it's it's going to be interesting, but I think it's going to go down to seven and the Heat are going to come out on top. I just trust Eric Spolstra more and the way this Heat team has been playing. They too have a lot of confidence. I mean, knocking Milwaukee out in the fashion that they did, that's got to do wonders for them as well, right? Like here they are, a team that was kind of counted out. No one really had them. No one had Miami potentially going to the title, uh, going to the finals, right? So Whereas Boston was in that conversation, Miami wasn't. They're kind of the Denver Nuggets of the of the East. Then, agreed. I uh, similar to what you said, uh, Brad Stevens had had his run for these for these series. He's dealt with um, Nick Nurse, who's a phenomenal coach. Yeah. Spo, who's a phenomenal coach as well. But I have the same take as you. I think it's going to be Miami in seven. Yeah. I think Hayward coming back is going to change things up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Spo is going to have to make some adjustments according to the way that Hayward was playing and what he has to do. It might take some time. I think it's going to be a battle, though. Uh, but if there's anything I've learned, it's always going to be close. And on top of that, it's uh, no lead is safe in the series. Yeah. This yeah. is the most prime example of that. Boston Celtics can lead by 15. Similarly, Miami Heat could lead by like 20 or something, but it truly is a game of runs. Um, one thing I'm not understanding is why Smart is hitting threes. How is Smart shooting at all? Yeah. He has been one of the biggest surprises. As unlikable as he is, I still got to give him credit. He has been shooting lights out at some point. So I'm like, this is not the Marcus Smart, the 29% from three shooting Marcus Smart that I'm aware yeah. of. So where did he get this newfound shot from? And and that makes it difficult because the game plan going into this is always, if we're going to lose, we're not going to lose because of Jason Tatum. We're going to lose because Marcus Smart's hitting threes, right? That's how you need to defend them, right? That's yeah. what the Raptors were doing. We're not going to lose because we let Jason Tatum drop 50 points on us, yeah. right? Like, that's your game plan. But then it gets kind of difficult to execute when Smart's balling from three, which is so frustrating. What was it, game two or three? Smart in the in uh, halftime, he just hit six threes. Or like he had like three threes or something ridiculous, like right after. And what the heck was going on? I'm like, Smart of all people, Marcus Smart, what do you do against that? Yeah. So um, 
it'll be a very interesting series. But on top of trusting Spo, that boy Jimmy Butler is a definition of box score watchers will never understand him mm-hmm. because maybe he'll shoot four of twelve. But those clutch steals and those plays that he makes when it matters, yeah, really changed my opinion on Jimmy Butler. He's a closer. He is the definition a of a closer. A closer. That, he may not be your superstar throughout the regular season. He may not be the guy that has 25 and 10 or, or whatever it might be average, but he is your closer and God damn it. Uh, Joel Embiid put it better. He's the guy that you want on your team. man. He's the, yeah. he's, the one, he's the guy that you want on your team. He's a winner. I think that's it. So uh, we got Miami and seven for the both of us. I got Lakers and six. You got the Lakers and five. Um, a potential Miami and Lakers matchup. That will be very interesting as well if that does happen. Um, but if it's up to me, though, personally, shoot, man, you can't go wrong with the classic Celtics and Lakers matchup, man. That would be fun to see. Boston and Lakers, it's just like it, it would be It would be the most highest rated because even casual fans, I used to love it in yeah. the 80s, be like, what? The Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Lakers? Why not? It's a battle of LA and Boston again. That rivalry is timeless. Yeah. So. That would be, it would I be, feel like we can't really lose unless it's Miami and Denver. Then it's like, oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> it, 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 it'll, it'll be great to see the Lakers, you know, sweep Boston in, in the finals. <laughs> it's a shame Boston won't even make it there. Shout out to you. Some. But we'll you, save so. our final prediction, our finals prediction pod for once the seeds are locked in. That's right. But, uh, until then, I think, uh, I think this was a great episode. We got through everything on our list, actually. Which is we had crazy a lot to think more about. To talk about. Yeah. I definitely wanted to talk about Giannis getting back to back MVPs, you yeah. know, like the whole defensive player of the year, all of that stuff. There's still a lot, but that just means we're just gonna produce a lot, right? So yeah. we got through. We got through quite a bit, though. I'm glad this pod, this this episode was awesome, man. Long, long needed, long, long, long needed. So, so with that, uh, why don't why don't I start wrapping it up? So for everybody listening or watching on YouTube, and I really do recommend that you watch these pods on YouTube. Uh, please give us a like, give us subscribe to the podcast, uh, give us a review, whether it's in the comments on YouTube or it's on Apple Podcasts. Only takes a few seconds, but really helps us out. Uh, we're doing this pod for ourselves. This was something that we really need, uh, something that keeps us grounded, keeps us connected. But if we could bring a little bit of joy into your lives, make your day a little bit better, Ben and I would love to do that. So, you know, show some love. Uh, make sure you check us out on social media as well. Our Instagram is at the session ball. Again, that's at the session ball. Uh, you know, subscribe, uh, follow there. I was about to say subscribe there. You know, like our posts. You'll get notified whenever a new episode's up. And just stay connected to us. Uh, ben, anything from you? Pretty much what Omar said, we're doing this podcast for us and for everybody listening. If you guys want to, you know, kind of join in on the conversation, this is what it is. Uh, we've always had this vision for this podcast where it's just a couple of like, just a couple of homies chitty, chilling and talking. We're just talking about basketball. And whenever other people come in, it's even more fun. The circle gets larger, more yep. debates are being taught. And it's all in good fun. It's all in good fun. And it always is. So as Omar said, follow us on at the session ball on Instagram. Watch us on YouTube. Hit that like button. And we'll see you next time. Yeah. So from everyone uh, here at the session, cheers. Cheers.